Jesus teaches here at the end of Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who built their house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish person who built their house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Friends, welcome back to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. John and Stacy Morgan here in the third installment in a three-part series about what do you do in hard times? What do you do when you feel hard-pressed? We just had had a number of conversations about that recently. We've just been, each of us, getting emails, texts, phone calls from mature followers, um, not people who are self-sabotaging, but folks who are trying very hard to walk with God and and live a mature life in hard places. And so we felt moved to talk about that. How do you maintain your life in God? How do you draw more deeply from God to navigate times like that? Part of the observation I was making in the first of the series um, was, it's not just on a personal level, it feels like it's on a community level, it feels like it's on a global level, it feels like culture is experiencing this, not just individuals. And so that's what uh, we wanted to talk about and so appreciate your feedback. We've been getting some great, great feedback on this series. Really, really glad to hear that it's helpful because that's our heart for you. John, it's interesting that you chose to start with that passage from Matthew 5. Um, I was actually turned to the same passage. Ironically, when I left the last recording, I felt like Jesus took me back to that passage. Really? Yeah. It's wild because I really feel like it names kind of the central idea of what we're talking about when Jesus says, whoever hears my teaching and puts it into practice, Mm -hmm. right? And what strikes me about this passage is what's consistent is the storm where he says, everyone will face fierce winds that beat upon their house. But what's so contrasting is there's one group of people that it says their house stood firm because it has strong foundation, contrasted to the second group that says the house collapsed and was swept away. Mm. And what strikes me is I am seeing storms come against a lot of people, people that I love. And there are some people who it's causing their house to collapse Mm. and be swept away. Mm. You know, the minor theme and the crisis is at our door and we can turn on the internet and find some massacre of on some level at any yeah, time. Yeah. But what I find, John, Stacy, is that I need to practice the discipline of celebration mm. to remember all the good things that are happening. Mm. And so just an example, Friday night at our house for a long time now, that's pizza night. And it used to be make custom pizzas. And, and now we've just made it simple, simple, simple. We buy the dough. 
we thaw the dough. Whatever's in the fridge by way of leftovers or extra stuff from the week, that's our pizza. Uh-huh. And we make a pizza and we make it together. And it's a celebration meal. This is the chicken lasagna pizza. Exactly. It was some anchovies and, from the camping bin. And then the, <laughs> the smoked oysters. Minestrone soup pizza. <laughs> I, I just learned Friday night is not normally a good night for me. I'm just so beaten down. Yeah. It's not a good night to do social things. Mm. But it's a great great night to pause and say, what should we celebrate? Mm-hmm. And so we go around the table and Joshua tells what he wants to celebrate of what God did that week that was positive. Oh, and wow. Abigail tells a story about a friend of, I'm really connecting with this new friend. And Joshua talks about how it's gone well in basketball, even though he's never played before. And he took a step and Sherry talks about connecting with someone um, that God just let her to in the grocery store. And all of a sudden, the atmosphere in our home is buoyed by the reality Mm. of the prevailing goodness of God. No circumstances have Mm. changed. There's winds beating on our door. The crisis is Mm -hmm. still the same, but Mm. something shifts where our hearts are reminded of the reality of the goodness of the kingdom that is at hand. And so Mm. the simple practice of celebrating, and we've actually made it now a daily discipline in just small doses Mm. over our meal, share something that was good Mm. that you experienced of God or his kingdom today. So the practice of celebration. Yeah, that's good. Man, I love that. Yeah. That turning of your your gaze to goodness and truth and how we can do that. We can do that every day. Yes. Yeah. But I want a pizza night now really bad. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Keep it simple. No fresh dough. <laughs> Two things really <laughs> struck me about that, Morgan. And the first was really about what you said about the storms coming. And to to name that storms coming isn't a failure. It doesn't mean you're blowing it yes. if a storm comes. It, it means that you're alive in Both the world. Both people in the parable. Right. Yes. Wise and foolish. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets the storm. It's so huge. Yeah. One thing that's just real practical for me is, you know, John, this may come as a surprise for you, but I'm not a morning person. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> so my first thing is not necessarily thank you, Jesus. It's sometimes help me, Jesus. But I'll wake up. And today was one of those days where just a, a weariness and a heaviness over my soul. Nothing changed. There's no depressing crisis that happened, but uh, just slogging it to enter into my day. And so a prayer that we often pray and that I prayed this morning was for the fire of God to come and burn off every cloak of weariness or discouragement, despair on my heart and my mind. I prayed it a few times, just the fire of God to dissipate the fog. Yes. It totally works. Yes. It totally worked mm. this morning. Mm. And mm. I could just feel it lift, lift, lift mm. until, mm. oh no, I'm, I'm good. And now I can really pray and enter my day mm. and have eyes for the beauty. So mm. I just wanted to throw that out there mm. as, a, as a pretty important prayer. That's good. So, gang, the idea is um, we really did want to offer some very tangible things like that. Here's what I did this morning to get rid of the fog. Here's how we're taking back Friday nights and putting the perspective on the good and not the evil. Just trying to hand you some tangible things like what do you practice so that as the storm comes, you find yourself on the rock, you find yourself grounded. I think what I was struck by since we were last recording was you don't get a free pass. Mm. You get some freebies, 
But you don't get a free pass in the sense that Jesus is talking about practice. He says, if you put this into practice, you'll be grounded. And if you don't, you won't. In this age of just massive hypercultural sensitivity and, oh my goodness, you know, everybody gets a piece, don't they? Everybody, um, just the honesty to say, well, actually, um, no. No. If you want to weather the storm, you do have to have a life that's grounded in God and in his kingdom and in his resources. Oh, I'm just struck it's by It's a pretty it. radical idea, John. It sounds, I mean, as you say it, I go, full disclosure, that's not what you hear on most Sunday mornings, right? It's believe and be saved, believe and be saved. But what you're saying is there are things you must do to cultivate, to practice, mm -hmm. if you really want to experience the mm -hmm. life that Jesus seems to say is available. Yeah. We put these first two podcasts out and we're talking about here are practices in which you can find the life of God. Worship, you know, prayer, different things. What I was struck by since our last time together was just my own practices and lack of them, but also just this is a life that's available for those who will choose it. Mm. You know, we just live in a culture that wants to say everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> everybody who plays gets a trophy. <laughs> and, and you oh. don't. That's just not how it goes. Mm. And, and so, in all kindness, we're just trying to put some things out there. Okay, so let me cast a vision, and, and then we'll jump into some more application for our final installment here. The enemy's number one purpose, whatever it is he's doing, accusation, temptation, distraction, weariness, whatever it is, the enemy's number one purpose is simply to separate you from God. Mm -hmm. Because when you are in God, you are strong and you can resist him. And when you begin to get separated, slowly, maybe massively, maybe suddenly or over time, then you are vulnerable. And from that point, he can steal, kill, and destroy. And friends, the world is doing the exact same thing. Hmm. Now, the world is less conscious in its intentions against you. It's just the madness of the pace and the technology and the crisis and the availability of too many people's stories, hmm. all that we talked about. It's the exact same effect. The effect of the world is to separate you from God. So, those two things, the world and the enemy, are working together to either suddenly or slowly over time separate you from God. So your basic approach to life wants to be centered in what am I doing to deepen my life in God? What am I doing to strengthen my union with God? Mm. And so whatever you're calling your Christian practices, whether it's faithful church attendance or Bible study, um, worship, evangelism, leading a small group, whatever that collection of things you do, I just want to say at the center of that, the purpose is to restore your union with God, mm. deepen your union with God, strengthen your union with God so that you can draw your life from Him. Okay, so allow me, uh, Jesus, again here in John 15. Live in me. Make your home in me, mm. just as I do in you. 
In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine. You are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relationship intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated? You can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up, thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples, I've loved you the way my father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. And then back to what he was saying at the storm and the rock, if you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. I've kept my father's instructions and made myself at home in his love. So you have this this ongoing theme in scripture of being rooted in God, Mm -hmm. grounded Mm -hmm. in God, centered in God. Mm. And I just wanted to cast that vision to say, whatever it is you do, you want to arrange your practices to do that, to center in God, to be grounded in God, to draw deeply from his life. Okay, so we're not trying to increase the to-do list, gang. (laughs) We're trying to give you some thoughts and ideas that we do to draw our life in God. But at the same time, we are saying it doesn't magically happen. Mm -hmm. Like You you actually have choices that you're already making, Mm -hmm. that I'm already making. I'm making Mm -hmm. these choices. And the invitation is to make choices that will breathe life into me, his life into me. And then have an impact. Yeah. And also, Stace, as you're saying that, I think that the practices loosen the hold of the world on me, right? Mm. They break those patterns that just keep me rooted in the world. A practice that comes to mind as you're sharing, Jesus seems to model a life where he is very capable and very mature at disappointing people. He's very willing to not give people what they want in many instances, but what they need, right? Because he knows what they need is union. What Mm -hmm, they need mm -hmm. is to be integrated, Mm -hmm. not to have necessarily all their felt needs met. I struggle profoundly with disappointing people because, oh, that just hits at this place of shame in me of I Mm. feel good when I come through, right? Mm. And so a regular practice I have had to adopt, even as the world is heating up, is the practice of disappointing people. There is nothing like disappointing someone who I genuinely care about Mm. that will loosen the hold of the world on me. And when I say the world, I mean that, that false man in me that finds a false comfort in coming through rather than a true comfort in trusting that God is perfectly capable of meeting the needs of every person in his terms and in his way. And sometimes that involves my disappointing them. Oh, this was this morning for me. I I was praying about a person that I care very much about. 
um, and who needs some assistance. And I was just checking with Jesus saying, you want me to help him, right? I thought it was a quick check the box this morning. Like, of course he's going to say yes, right? Like it was just one of those, Mm -hmm. yeah, Jesus, we're in this, right? And Jesus goes, nope, nope, I got this. You shouldn't play a role in that, Uh. right? (laughs) And then it was just like, oh, I would have set in motion a whole series of events by my intervention that God was not in. And the difficulty of not intervening, you know, and you and I are both big on the intervening side Mm -hmm. of things, but Morgan's not describing, I am rude to people. He's not describing the spiritual discipline of being a jerk. Right. He's describing that being compelled to meet the needs of others is something that actually diminishes your life with God. And you have had to learn to disappoint others to maintain a life with God. Yes, and to help fuel their life with God, exactly. right? That what they need most is God. Exactly. And your decisions are coming out of your union with God. Yes. You're yeah. not just making them on your yeah. own right. or your, what I feel at the moment. It's coming out of, well, what did Jesus say? Yes. What does he want? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's a consecrated decision. So just on that, we're just free associating through. I've got some notes, and I know you do too, that we want to get to, but— Gang, have you ever realized that you need to consecrate your gifting Mm. to God? You know, we consecrate our home or we consecrate a mission trip or we consecrate this, you know, founding of a new church Describe what you mean by consecration. I mean presenting your gifts to God to be directed by His Lordship alone Mm. because— we live out of our gifting. Yep. And so if you have the gift of empathy, you just go with your empathy. Yes. And if you have the gift of organization and administration, you just organize things, right? And if you have the gift of building, you build. And if you have the gifting of teaching, you are constantly teaching people. But the fact of the matter is, you maybe you're not supposed to be teaching in that moment. Maybe you're not supposed to be building in that moment. Maybe you're not even supposed to be showing empathy mm. in that moment but you will simply live out of your gifting unless you, on a regular basis, consecrate it to Jesus. Jesus, I give my gifting back to you for you to fill and rule and and be Lord of and shepherd, heal, restore, and direct. John, you're making such a critical distinction here because— we naturally assume our gifting is good rather than our gifting is good when in the service of love, right? I mean, I mentioned I, my go-to in the falls is to start making lists and start strategizing. <laughs> I, no, no, no. That's your 6 a.m. to 11 a.m. Exactly. That's my yeah, early yeah. morning. Yeah, that's, your, that's part of the image of God in me yep. as a strategist, right? As he sure. is a strategist. Yep. But uh, a couple weeks ago, Sherry said to me, hey, Morgan, can I make an observation which is her loving way of saying, you have some things to deal yeah. with. Oh dear, you want to make an observation? Right. I'm like, sure, babe, 17 years in, you could say anything you want. And she said, are you aware that if your life is a vehicle, your strategist never has to ask permission to drive? He can drive anytime he wants. Everyone else has to ask permission, but he doesn't have to ask. In other words, he can commandeer mm. your life. Mm. And she was just pointing out that my gifting yeah. as a strategist wasn't consecrated. Yeah. And it's just so clear because part of this practice, as you're describing that, is 
becoming more and more aware. When are we operating just reactively, habitually, in a very self-life, right? A life that's not in union with God, even of our gifting, contrasted to our gifting is consecrated, and our gifting is in the service of God, which are two entirely different realities. The greatest enemy of intimacy with God for Christians is service for God. Because God activity has just enough of a feel of the kingdom. It has just enough God words yeah. to it. It's got enough uh, of the of the taste of Jesus. But that's not the same thing as intimacy with God. Okay, so put that on a side for, because <laughs> that's just a whole nother thing. But here's what I want to come back to. What are the things that you do to restore union and to draw your life from God? What are those things you do? either spontaneously or habitually. Okay, so here, here's the verse. It's from the message, uh, Hebrews 10, 25. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. So in that, that's a verse that summarizes kind of two things I wanted to talk about, and that was not isolating ourselves. Mm. Now, we are a ministry that wants to pursue and teach um, the benefits of the spiritual disciplines, including solitude and silence, and we need that. But I know that I can go too far on that side mm. where I need people. I I need the encouragement of other people. I need to gather with other people. I need to particularly be in the company of like-hearted people on a regular basis. Mm. That fuels my life, that fuels my union with God, that makes me need Him, obviously, when this place is what it doesn't naturally flow out of me to be a loving person. I need Him, but I also need others. And then the second part— Wait, wait, wait. Let's pause on that because that's huge. The other night, I had a fire in the fireplace, and I wanted to go to bed without worrying it that I was going to burn the house down. So what did I do? You scatter the coals. You break it up, right? You disperse that fire into the far mm-hmm. reaches of the fireplace, knowing that isolated, those coals are going to go out, and I'm not going to worry about it. I don't have to douse mm-hmm. this thing with five gallons of water. That's all I have to do. Yes. So what you're saying about, no, 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 we do need each other's It's totally right on. Really good. What else you got for us? In order to live this life and not be swamped over by these storms that continually are coming our way, we have to know that the storms don't have the final say. Mm. It's like the last of that verse is especially when we see the big day, capital D, approaching. The big Mm. day is Mm. approaching. And so that's even part of our being together and not being in isolation is to encourage one another that this is not all there is. There is a deeper reality when Jesus is returning, when all things will be restored, that is our hope. That's going back to pizza night. What they're doing is encouraging one another with hope that good is prevailing. Yes. And and that the storm doesn't have the final say. Yes. That's huge. John, how about you? Other practices? I realized that one of the things I do spontaneously that has proved to be a massive rescue for me is when the storm hits, 
I try to go straight to, I love you, God. Mm. I love you, God. I love you, God. Because the pull to figure it out, get on top of it, master it, fight it, you know, the 16 other pulls, when what I realize right now in this moment, I don't understand what's going on, and I sure don't like it. And those two things alone will get me to start pulling away from Mm. God. Mm. And so I've got to stay with, I love you, Father. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Holy Spirit. I love you. Because it immediately brings me back to God. I'm pulling, I'm reeling myself back in Mm. to intimacy to operate from that point Mm -hmm. in whatever's going on. Um, And this is particularly true, gang, with pain, Mm. emotional pain, spiritual pain, physical pain separates us from God very, very, very easily and very quickly. Um, The passage that Paul says, we are persecuted but not abandoned. Mm. And so, especially in when the storm is painful, it's been critical for me to say, I love you, God. I love it. You just start loving God, like turning my heart toward Mm -hmm. God, expressing my love. I love you, God, to fight that separation, to fight that thing that just seems to naturally get in and start the separation. And then, you know, days later, I'm recovering from Mm -hmm. the separation. Mm -hmm. I don't want to allow the breach Mm. in the first place. So just going straight to, especially in the pain. I love you, God. I love you. Mm. You're good. You're faithful. I believe in you. Keeps me closer. And then I realized I do have a set of practices. I do have a way of living that over time has proven sustainable. Now, I've taken up all kinds of campaigns. That read through the Bible in a year thing never been able to pull it off. It's so good to hear you say that. Oh, I it just there's all these things that that other people do. Yep. Craig did that. Right. Doesn't mean it's bad. Craig did that every year. <laughs> but it just didn't work for me. Here's the whole point, gang. It's got to be sustainable. What you do for worship needs to be sustainable. Is it in your car? Is it on your phone? Is it on your iPod as you run or go to the gym? It's got to be sustainable. You can't set up some practice that you can't keep going over time. I am a go guy. I'm a charger. And I will make myself sit down and do nothing for 60 seconds. Just don't do anything. Stop moving. Stop thinking, Mm. stop planning, just stop. Stillness. It's a reset for Mm -hmm. me. It's a reset with God. Mm. Um, And I'll do that stillness thing at different points in the day. You know, I'll try and do it on lunch break. Quite often when I get home in the evening, I pull in the driveway. And before I get out of my car, I will lay my head down on the steering wheel and just stillness. Stop moving, John. And then for me, there's a ritual at the end of the day, which is really, really, really become critical. And I'm, I do other things, but these are the things that have proven sustainable over time. At the end of the day, I give everyone and everything to you. 
Like, that's how I start my evening prayers. I just release it all. And gang, that's hard because I'm releasing massive ministry decisions. I'm releasing people that I love who are in crisis. I'm releasing all kinds of very, very beautiful and important things. Nonetheless, I release it all to you. I practice no media before bed. So somewhere, you know, if I know bedtime's approaching in that last hour, I don't check Facebook. I don't look at the news. I don't look at my phone. I don't look at my texts. Stop the media flow. We do our bedtime prayers, which is a resetting with God for us. And then usually there's some worship in there. And that's like an evening ritual of those things. I give everyone to you. I practice no media. There's stillness, there's worship, and there's bedtime prayer. And that cluster of things at the end of the day has proven sustainable now, unbroken, you know, for a long time. And that's how I know it's it's got staying power mm-hmm. to it. That's just so good. I would only add for me just one thing as a practice within the day is to regularly put the dipstick into my heart of how am I doing? Just a a self awareness of of emotions or thoughts. Mm. Um mm. to begin with, I used to just do that at twelve and three. Just what's going on and and now it's become more of a practice that I don't need to set the alarm. I'll just Check in with God. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm very physical and kind of my body's sensitive. And I'm aware if I go two or three days without exercise, it really affects my spirit and I get cloudy. And that used to be more of a discipline, kind of big adventure nature. And now, like yesterday, I had time for 12 minutes on a spinning bike. It's what I could do. We had bad weather and between family commitments and work, I had 12 minutes. But after 12 minutes, my mind was more cleared and and my spirit to be united with God's spirit as I turned towards home. But I have to exercise in a way that's sustainable on a regular basis. Another practice for me that's really helpful is pausing to ask God what he wants to say or how he wants to interpret a situation after the fact. Like, Mm. what are his words on it? What are Mm. God's reflections on it? Mm. Because I'm aware when I ask him, I bring a whole agenda, some of which comes from the enemy and I'm making agreements with lies, some of which comes from my brokenness and my false self, diminishment. Yesterday, I really loved a friend well. And after I spent time with him, the thing I just heard was, I just heard some accusations. Mm. And and so I wasn't thinking other than, man, now I'm behind. And I don't know if that was the right thing to do or if I did that well. And at the end of the day, I just had to sit down and say, God, like, what do you want to say about the, yes. the day? What do you want to say about this day? Yeah. And he said, you know that interaction? He said, that was really loving. Mm. And you loved well. And that mm. was an assignment I had for you because you were in a unique position that someone else couldn't have done that. Thank you. Mm. And it's like to turn with a curiosity towards him, to turn to hear his interpretation, that's an ongoing, regular activity, like multiple times in a day, come out of this podcast. God, what do you want to say about the podcast? Not my own tape of, I should have said this, I should have not said this. So asking God. Another one that's big for me is practicing, I guess what I'll just name is rhythm. 
We live in a world that never turns off. And because of my personality of being a achiever and a strategist, there's always one more thing to do. Mm -hmm. So I have to intentionally practice actions that create rhythm. So where I would normally fill with, I can get back to that person. I've got time in the car for a phone call. Or normally fill with, I've got 15 minutes. I can get through some emails. I am learning to take those pieces mm. and insert a pause. Okay, gang, we really are not trying to overwhelm you. You got a cherry pick here. This is not your grocery list. Um, and now you need to go do all this. Nope. The question is, Jesus, what do you want me to do to keep coming back to union with you, to deepen our bond, to draw my life from you? What do you have for me? Allow me a couple more scriptures here. So Paul is praying for us in Ephesians 3. It's a wonderful prayer. And I was struck by the passage where he prays that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith so that we, being rooted and grounded in love, my goodness, in a world of such hatred and envy and animosity and judgment and hypersensitivity, where the offended self rules, to be rooted and grounded in love, okay? The NLT says, so that your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And then Colossians 2, so then, just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. You just have that idea there, again, of rootedness rootedness in your life in God. It's a really, really big theme, uh, and it's so countercultural. I mean, you're going you're gonna to love how countercultural you feel. You, you're going to be the biggest iconoclast you know, uh, because you're practicing a lifestyle that says, I just refuse to be swept away by all that other stuff. I want a sane life. But I want a life that is deeply grounded in God and drawing his life into mine. You've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast with Stacy and Morgan and John. So glad uh, you were with us. This was part three in a series. So if you missed the first two, you can pick those up and listen to them. And if you're binge listening, maybe you actually need to go back and just listen to one at a time. <laughs> okay. Love you all. See you next week.